This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Laravel News Podcast. This is episode 77. We are a little bit behind. Mm. The last thing that we covered, I think, was like December 17th. Is that right? It's a while back. Yeah, we stopped before... That's a while back. We stopped before, before the holiday period. Okay. So, I mean, is there any point to just, like trying to organize... All, let's just jump in and just try and get through as much as we can, as quick as we can. Let's jump in. Let's do it. And I'll say the reason why is because we both have children who have already woken up crying while we've been trying to record this. Yeah. So... We're gonna we're gonna go for it. All right, Michael, lead us off with Laravel Mix four. Yeah, so we did touch on this that it was out in our last episode, but there is now an article on Laravel News which goes into a bit more detail on all the things that have changed that have been added. Uh, so we've got a few higher high level things to go through. Most importantly, we've got faster compilation and faster npm installs, uh, which is a byproduct of having upgraded to using Webpack fourteen. We've upgraded to using View Loader 15. We've upgraded to Babel 7. We do automatic vendor extraction if you call mix.extract all of your vendor dependencies, which is basically Ooh, any nice. package that's in known modules that you pull in will automatically be extracted into a separate Ooh. vendor um, thing. JS so you file. can, yeah, vendor.js, vendor.css, you can cache those things for much longer because typically right, right. they won't change very often. So it's that way you're only pushing down your application's new assets. Every time they update, which are obviously much more likely to change than, you know, updating a version of Vue or updating a version of some other third-party dependency that you're using. So that is really nice. We can now pass options to CSS minification via CSS Nano. Post-CSS plugins can be passed to mix.sass, less, and stylus on a per-call basis, which means you can provide unique post-CSS plugins for each mix.sass call if you've got different SAS hmm. files, for example. So that's really handy. Yeah, But the JS optimization and minification has been swapped from using Uglify JS to Tursa. And from Node SAS, we've switched to Dart SAS, which we spoke a little bit about on the previous yeah, episode. right. Yep. Node SAS has been a, a huge problem for me, like having to recompile Node SAS, yeah. like force, recompile, whatever. Yeah. Rebuild, yeah. whatever it is. So this comes with a small increased compile time cost, but it means that at the end of the, end of the day, you've got faster and more reliable NPM installs, which is always a nice thing. Yes. Um, and the Babel config merging strategy has been improved. So you can now override or tweak any of the default Babel plugins and presets provided throughout Mix by creating a Babel RC file in your project root. Ooh. Yeah, I don't usually mess with most of that. Babel, I just like <laughs> just do your thing, Babel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so as we said, we're using DartSass now. Support is largely identical. And as I said, you may notice some compile warnings. Oh, sorry. We hadn't mentioned that, but you might notice some compile time warnings when upgrading. You can manually change back by installing the NodeSass package and there's a, a implementation. You can just specify that you want to use NodeSass instead of DartSass. Um, yeah. So yeah, definitely check out the the PR notes that Jeffrey included in the Laravel Laravel repo when updating Mix to version um, to understand if the need for a few of the extra NPM dependencies, um, handling dot .default on your view components, for example. Hard to explain verbally because I don't know specifically what it is. 
Um, it's got something to do with the new Lotus syntax that's being used. So definitely check that out. The links will be in the in the show notes, of course. Very good. Thanks, Jeffrey, for all your work on that. There are so many of us who benefit so much from all the hard work that he has put in because literally most of that stuff is just dark magic to me. I have no idea. Yeah, absolutely. Well, most of it is. I just kind of use the default mix file and just go and it just mm-hmm. works. It's amazing. I get browser sync. I get hot reloading. I get minification. I get cache busting, all of that stuff for free. Thank you, Mr. Jeffrey Way. You're amazing. Absolutely. All right, we've got Laravel 5.7.18 released three things here. So there is a now a validation rule introduced, uh, which is called starts with, and it does exactly what you would think, which it checks to see if a string starts with something. There's also a new facade resolved method. So if you have a facade, like say auth, or it could be a custom defined facade that you have, you can put a method on there called resolved, uh, which uh, will take a callback that can be run uh, after service resolution, uh, probably in the service provider. So there's an example given here uh, where it says auth colon colon resolved. So after the auth has been resolved, it basically changes a couple options. So auth extend passport, et cetera, et cetera, blah, 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 whatever, right? So if this is a case where you need to uh, basically do some do some little pieces of logic after a facade is resolved, you don't have the ability to do that. To do that. In addition, there is a ENV variable now called app config cache to control the cache config path. Uh, there's a couple other changes and fixes. Uh, nothing that I'm going to take the time to talk about here though. So if you want to see the change log, uh, go ahead and go check that out. That is 5718. All right, we've also got 5719 going on here with uh, with us. And so I'll just buzz through that real quick here. There's a new where between collection method. Uh, so I believe where between uh, typically says, uh, is it dates? Um, yeah. Let me see here. Is it usually dates or is it, it could it be, could it be anything? It actually looks like it could it's be really anything, anything. really, yeah. Yeah, it could be any two numbers, right? Anything that you could do a comparison with, with a greater than or less than, uh, or greater than or equal to or less than or equal to. So yeah, it, it looks pretty simple. Uh, new up a collection, then you can do uh, collection where between, you pass in the key that you're looking to do the comparisons for, and then you pass in an array with a uh, lower bound and an upper bound. Uh, and that will give you all the values that fall between those two bounds. So that's pretty cool. Uh, that's probably the largest thing of note there. Uh, that's 5719. Okay. We've got Laravel Cashier 9 released. Uh, Michael, maybe you take that one. Have you ever used Cashier before? No. I've, I've been tentatively looking at it because we're currently considering using Stripe at, at work. Right. I was just going to ask about yeah, that. Yeah. So, but. The, the least amount of work that I can do to get that implemented, the better. But it depends on how Cashier is going to implement some stuff that, and, you know, how our business operates in terms of subscriptions and, and once-off charges that we tend to combine onto a, a regular subscription invoice. So I look forward to it hopefully taking care of some of that stuff for me, but time will tell. But... Yeah. So let's let's talk about real quickly. Can we talk about real quickly like what Cashier is? Or I mean, it's, it kind of describes it yeah. here. Yeah. So Cashier is a free open source package. It's a first party package from Laravel that provides a fluent interface for working with Stripe and Braintree subscriptions. Uh, it gives you an expressive and fluent interface, as we ex- you know, as we've come to expect with anything Laravel for both Stripe and Braintree subscription billing services, and will handle almost all of the boilerplate subscription billing code that you don't want to write. 
in addition to basic subscription management, it also handles coupons, swapping subscriptions, quantities of subscriptions, cancellation, grace periods. It'll generate invoices for you. It'll hand things like, uh, handle things like pro rider values and things like that. So be sure to check out the cashier upgrade guide if you're upgrading from uh, version 8 to version 9 and, and check the changes in version requirements. Uh, the main things in version 9, support for PHP 7 has been removed. The, the minimum version of Laravel required is version 5.7. Um, and there's a few other bits and pieces that you should be aware of, which will be in the blog post we link up in the show notes. Yeah, so I think the important note here, and you probably caught it, most of you people who are good listeners. But for me, when Laravel Cashier first came out, I was like, great, something to kind of just like build in Stripe, amazing, take payments. And it is sort of if what you're doing is subscriptions. Right, so Stripe and Braintree both have the ability to add subscriptions where it kind of does recurring payments and those sorts of things, right? Everything that you can think of with subscriptions, coupons, swapping subscriptions, quantities, yeah. cancellations, grace periods, et cetera. It handles subscriptions. So if you're just talking about doing one-off charges, it's probably not what you're looking for. This is looking to manage subscriptions for you. So that's an important note. And that is the end of that public service announcement. Yeah. Okay, so now we are on to uh, kind of like what we would normally be on to, Michael. We've caught up to our to our uh, little thing that Eric has put together for us. Which what is his what is his little thing that he he built us this little custom dashboard that we use to kind of do uh, all of our podcast stuff off of. I think it just rolls back for the next for like the previous two weeks or something like that. Yeah, the previous two weeks, which is typically more than enough for us. But when yeah. we when we take a month off of recording a podcast, we've got to go digging ourselves. So yeah. So the first thing on that list is my CLI. So my CLI is a um, it's a CLI tool with auto completion and syntax highlighting for MySQL, MariaDB, and Percona, which I've never heard of Percona. You know, MySQL, MariaDB, I know those two. I've not heard of Percona, uh, but it's, so it's a command line tool to be able to interface, uh, write um, write any queries that you would want from the command line. Uh, you can install it on the Mac with pip right which is the python uh package tool or you can install it with brew homebrew on uh on your mac so it looks it looks pretty cool honestly i don't write stuff often in the command line for my sequel how about you mm-hmm. i do only because it's sometimes easier to just jump onto a server because uh, we've got dedicated database servers so sometimes it's easier to just jump onto that server and access my locally I know that SQL Pro, which I typically use, makes it really easy to connect to MySQL over an SSH tunnel, but sometimes I get a bit of lag across that connection depending on how busy the database is. So I want to get it as responsive as possible. That makes sense. Uh, I did actually, yeah, I did actually install my CLI and had a bit of a play around with it. I, I, I have just a personal vendetta against things that pop up while I'm typing. So I gave it a miss. The syntax highlighting is handy if, and I didn't really look too much into it. It'd be nice if I could have the syntax highlighting without the auto-completion stuff. That okay. would be my my. You don't like scenario. the auto-completion stuff? I don't know because it some you know it's not quite as quick as I want it to be sometimes. And with with the syntax highlighting, I can see if I've made a typo with like a keyword sure. or you know if I'm quoting something, it makes it obvious that I've missed a quote or something like that. But yeah, I don't don't typically enjoy autocomplete. Okay. Tab completion, yes. Autocomplete. Oh, like gotcha. Drop down things, not so much. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. All right, that's the distinction I was looking for. I was like, really? You don't you like that? Okay. Tab completion, yes. Okay, that makes sense. 
Cool. All right. So that's our first little thing here. And um, just so that you know what it is, if you want to do it, it's just brew install my CLI is all it is. M-Y-C-L-I or pip install my CLI. Same thing. So if you want to try that out, give it a spin. Uh, go ahead and check that out or check out the blog post that Mr. I'm guessing it's Paul Redmond. It is. Yep. What do you know? Everybody's favorite human. Thank you, Paul. Okay. There's a accountant Laravel package. I want to talk about this real quick. So this account level package is essentially a way for you to be able to track changes on your eloquent models. So the kind of the uh, why for why you would use this, right? It says data discrepancies that may indicate business concerns, suspect activities, and other actions that would otherwise pass unnoticed can now be easily spotted. So it uh, it can, keeps track of all eloquent model changes and it goes through the listing of all the different features, all the different types, right? Many to many's. Uh, it keeps complete snapshots of recordable models when created, modified, or retrieved. You can do data integrity checks really easily. It's got a lot of customization. It uh, supports all the way from Laravel 5.2 and up. It's got a lot of really good documentation and very easy to implement. So this sounds like something like, you know, it's named accountant Laravel package, right? So it's basically, you know, if you need something that's going to keep really stringent uh, records on uh, everything that's being changed in your application, then this would be a good app for you to take a look at. You know, it's sort of, they, they compare it in the post here to Laravel Event Projector, which is Spassi's sort of deal. Um, mm -hmm. I think Laravel Event Projector, you sort of would have to start out knowing that's the way you wanted to design it, right? Because it uses event sourcing. This seems yeah. like a really like a drop-in solution, right? You kind of use a trait on any eloquent model that you want to keep track of, of, of all the records for, and it just starts recording things. Yeah, it certainly seems like a drop-in, as you say, and it's very focused on this very specific thing in terms of like keeping an eye on, on records. And it'll be good for you know identifying what has changed outside of your application. Like if someone's gone into the database and, and changed something and they didn't leave the, the record there. So this this strikes me as the kind of thing that would be useful in your day job because I assume you'd want to be keeping fairly tight tabs on on things that are changing and so on and so forth. And yeah, there are some things that we do have. Uh, Spassi actually has another package. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called like Activity like Log. Activity Log. Activity yeah. Log, yeah. And we use that in a couple different places and it works pretty well. Yeah. Um, yeah. It does a lot of, you know, it's, it's essentially this. This seems like activity log on steroids, right? Activity log is pretty much just a very simple implementation mm -hmm. of this, but this seems like it's maybe got some more features, which is pretty, yeah. pretty cool. Well, having the signed ledger records for data integrity is handy because it means that you can, you didn't be able to determine if someone did something in the UI and then went and changed a record later in the database. You'd be able to, or, or they tampered with that ledger record. You'd be able to determine that, well, you know, someone's, mess with that because they interesting may not have signed it correctly as well so interesting yeah that extra signed level. Record. yeah signed ledger records yeah 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 that's pretty cool yeah so it looks like they've done a lot of work on this um so mm -hmm. again if you're uh, looking to make sure that the data is all you know thumbs up all good to go this would be a good thing for you to check out the other one i was going to say that which is really interesting is um nova doesn't do this to this extent right but there is like a uh, there is just a trait that you can put on any of your models uh, when you're using Nova and anything that gets changed through the Nova interface, it will kind of keep a record of who changed it and what it was and all of that. Do you remember seeing that hmm. at Laracon? It's pretty cool. It's, it's really simple to implement. You literally just put a trait on the on the model and then it, it keeps track of all that all the changes that happen nice. in Nova. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. The more you know. Okay. There you go. There we go. There's the accountant package. So then um, 
Have you been following any of Eric's journey through the web development on an iPad? Yeah, it's been interesting and it's it's prompted me to want to start using Vim full time again, just so that, because with Vim, I've got my editor and then I'm in the terminal. So I've got MySQL, I've got Git handy. I've, you know, I'm looking at my tests running. I'm looking at NPM, you know, I can always have my mix watcher running and things like that. So I have sort of, I haven't fully committed to it, but I have been using the terminal solidly in the last couple of weeks being able to use the ipad though especially because poor eric broke his hand riding his bike big big not riding his bike as it were yeah Yeah. i mean he really broke his hand right it was pretty bad he He sent us i think a big mess of it yeah i don't know if he put a i don't know if he sent a picture to us or if he just put it on twitter i think he probably did both but yeah he like impacted the one hand so that the finger like telescoped into itself mm. like it broke and impacted into itself it was pretty disgusting Ugh. it was a pretty full-on injury yeah 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 so they had to like wire so, all his fingers together to heal up it's pretty, yeah poor guy so as a result he went on a method he went looking for a way where he could obviously keep working with this injury but making i don't know if you've ever sprained a finger but that makes it hard enough to type on a on a regular keyboard or a dislocated and things like that. When you when you're talking like a broken hand and it's in a cast and you literally cannot use it, you know, finding something and you know an approach to to develop and still be able to type in that situation was interesting to follow along. And and Eric went into detail about this little Bluetooth keyboard that he bought and you know some of the the limitations that he had in terms of um, you know any front end work that he needed to do. You know, there's obviously no real good database tools on on the ipad and and things like that so he spent obviously not by choice but quite a bit of time using an ipad for development and uh he seems to have made it work pretty well from from all accounts so. it was pretty interesting his initial kind of reasoning he said that um, he could work on the ipad a lot easier because of the autocomplete and autocorrect and so he said mm. it was faster than the MacBook. So that's kind of what pushed him to want to use it, which I thought was pretty, yeah. pretty interesting. And kind of a side note, I actually, you'd said, you know, it's hard enough to type with, uh, you know, no injuries, much less having to try and type with a cast or whatever. I remember I broke my finger in soccer practice in like, uh-huh. I don't remember if it was a ninth grade or something, uh, when I was in my first typing class. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do too great in that class I had to no, like, I like imagine not it's like my ring finger in my left hand yeah yeah anyway you'd be surprised like I've jarred fingers in that playing basketball in the past oh, yeah. and it's just like it's, it's such a horrible it's such a small thing and it doesn't hurt but when you like need to move your finger in a way that you would contort your fingers to type on a keyboard it's it's not pleasant dude I've I've recently and this is so rabbit trail but I've still thought many times thought recently of like when I'm about to do something so we were roller skating the other day our kids had like a roller skating event for school and it was super fun and I was like oh man I remember doing this when I was a kid and being like crazy whatever and I'm like dude if I fell and broke my arm right now this would be a bad situation like how (laughs) how dependent our jobs are on literally our hands and our arms being you know big intact I wouldn't even let yeah, I wouldn't even let Rhea hold my hand when, when she was delivering Eli. I said, I have to go back to work. I can't have a broken hand. I've heard stories about like the unfathomable strength that women discover when they're giving birth. And I said, no, don't don't touch me. <laughs> oh my gosh. You are a heartless, heartless partner. I was, I was too busy you? looking inside like over the curtain while they were like carving her open and pulling Eli out. Oh so. gosh, dude. Don't even, ugh. You can't talk about it that way. You can't say carving her open. That sounds so... <laughs> they were carving. <laughs> oh my word. Okay. 
Anyway, moving, moving on, right along. moving right along. So anyway, Eric has a lot of cool tips in here uh, for how you can use that and uh, use your iPad for development. So thanks, Eric. Sorry about the situation, but glad you were able to uh, uh, make lem- yeah. lemonade out of lemons. That's right. Hey, March 6th, 2019. What's happening, Jake? March 6th, 2019. Oh, well, uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lyricon Online. <laughs> <laughs> took me a minute i was like wait a second what is it yes they're kind of online which we are having a viewing party anybody who's listening to this if you live within eight hours of bloomington illinois central illinois you are officially invited to come to our party we have enough room for 50 people we will provide breakfast we will provide lunch and we will hang out the whole day in a nice big brand new conference room that we just put together with massive screens and nice speakers and it's going to be fun. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I'm really, st- really stoked about it. It's on the, uh, it's on the website for Laracon online, which I think is Laracon.net. Yep. But yeah, it's going to be pretty awesome. So they've got Taylor Otwell, they've got Matt Stauffer, they've got Adam Wathen and Steve Shoger who are going to tag team something, I believe. Maybe, may, hold right on. or maybe I, maybe I read it wrong. It says refactoring UI tag team. Yeah. So like they tag team to refactoring your eye. It would be cool to see them do tag team and talk. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> uh, Frank Vanderhurten, Samantha Geitz, uh, Marcel Possier, Possiat, all those guys. Uh, and it's 12 bucks, $12 for yeah. an early bird ticket. Yeah. And you don't have to be in the U.S. to view it. You don't have to have flights anywhere, right? It's, it's, uh, it's available to everybody around the globe. In addition, Laracon Online this year is giving away 355 tickets for free in an effort to reach an even wider Laravel community. So if you don't have 12 bucks, that's totally fine. You can sign up for the giveaway and uh, we can thank the generous sponsors for that. If you don't get to sign up in the early bird period, it's $25 after the early bird ends. Um, In addition, I'll say that every year they have uh, digital swag that they provide, which makes up for the cost of the ticket you literally get more in digital swag than the the ticket costs absolutely yeah so they always do a great job it's always uh really fun it's kind of like a nice recharge in between laricons you know see everyone and uh get to mingle in the last year what was it they had a like a message board discourse yeah discourse yeah yeah so that was pretty awesome so uh go buy your tickets laricon.net 12 dollars and if you can't afford it uh sign up for the giveaway and see if you can uh Make that happen. Yeah. Okay. What else we got here? We got php.env 3.0 released. Okay. So I don't know if people realize this. I'm sure they probably do. Do you ever remember having to try and figure out uh, environment variables before this package? I'm trying to manage those across servers. It was a nightmare. Yeah. It was a bit. It was interesting. Yeah. It was interesting. It wasn't great. It wasn't great fun. All right. So now you can commit. Um, well, you probably don't commit these to source code, obviously, because you wouldn't want to do that. But... But you can you submit can be, your env you example, the, which is pretty the close. Keys, yeah, the names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty nice. So anyway, php.env released version 3 with some important improvements made to the library. Michael, have you taken a look at these ones? You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, what we've got is uh, some more flexibility in terms of which parts of the environment that the package will try to read and modify. There's first-class support for multi-line variables now as well. No more trimming values, so you get them exactly as you type. Something to be aware of with that. If you have a password, for example, or a username in your ENV file that has like a, a trailing space, currently what php.env will do is it'll trim that string so you only get the string value. Oh, interesting. With version 3, if you've accidentally left a space there, 
that space will then be part of that environment Yikes. variable moving forward. So you may run into issues there. So make sure before you upgrade your version of PHP.env that you check these things to make sure that you've got exactly the correct um, parameters in there. But we can also now accept a list of paths to try in order to look for the .env file, which probably doesn't matter too much for us in Laravel. That's all handled kind of at the bootstrap level, but you could put in multiple paths to look for the environment file, for example, or you could say that it's in a different directory if you were using the .env package in your own applications. And then we've also got stronger validation of variable names to avoid silent failures or obscure errors. There is some more detail going in. Uh, if you want to use multi-line. Which that's sort of interesting, right? Is multi-line, multi-line variables? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know necessarily when you might use that. It says certificates um, SSH keys, right? So those okay. sorts of, yeah. yeah, right. Okay, that makes sense. Yep. Without the need for pseudo new line characters, you can just paste it in and it'll it'll pick it all up. That's cool. Yeah. If you're using, if you're doing that, you obviously need to uh, quote the entire string. Right. So. Right. But that 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 is helpful. So, yeah. Yep. Definitely check that out. The information will be in the show notes. Yep. Pretty cool. Thank you. All right. Let's see what else do we have. Um, tips to speed up your PHP unit tests. So this was interesting. I think Caleb Porzio put a test out or a uh, put a screenshot out there on Twitter the other day and said, this really does make a massive difference. So Tim McDonald wrote this article and he kind of goes through and gives a bunch of different tips that you can use to speed up your PHP unit test suite. So you can actually utilize this. So he has a package in here called Paratest, which is pretty cool, which basically runs your tests in parallel. Right, so it means mm. it basically has multiple processes running at the same time. So you just call completely para- broke my test suite. <laughs> Did it seriously? Oh, <laughs> yeah. It, you have to because it's running your test in parallel. If you're hitting the database, ooh, and it's like migrating your database at different ooh, times, yeah. then you're going to run into issues. Which is, I guess, the only reason this package broke my tests. So yeah, that, that yeah means- it certainly does help to speed things up, though. Yeah, I mean, most a lot of my tests hit the database. Um, <gasps> you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't be hitting your database. Oh well. <clears throat> we all do it, and we do it in SQLite. I don't know. Yeah. But it's still, even at that, like it doesn't matter if you're running them in parallel. Yeah. That would break it. Yeah. 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 I think it was just an issue with the refresh database trait, just because you've got the the application making transactions and locking things at different times and, yeah. and whatever else. So. It depends on how your tests are written as to whether or not Paratest will actually assist you. Yeah, but obviously you can tell it would take much less time to run your tests if you were able to use Paratest, right? So yeah. uh, the the single screenshot he has here says 1.49 seconds versus 6.15 seconds, which is a pretty, pretty uh, awesome improvement, right? Yeah. Yep. They have uh, some stuff about rerunning failed tests. So PHP unit has a handy feature that allows you to rerun only the test that failed on the previous run, which is pretty nice if you're doing like a TDD style development, right? So it fails, then you change it, and then it only runs the tests that failed in the previous in the previous one. Let's see what else they have. Uh, group slow tests all together so that you can um, group them and then run only, only those slow ones um, when you're when you're needing to kind of hit the whole hit the whole thing. Um, yep. so anyway, there's, there's a, there's a number of different ones. I'm not going to read through all of them, but, uh, disabling X debug is a good one too. If you're not doing that, disabling X debug will make a large difference in the amount of time it takes to, 
um, run your tests. So in one example he has here, it takes 2.35 seconds to run 10 tests and then he disables the Xdebug and it takes 391 milliseconds. So yeah. pretty massive improvement there, right? So if you're not disabling Xdebug, uh, might be something you want to try and it's really quick and easy to do so. So good article. Thanks, Tim McDonald. Really, really appreciate that. That is excellent. Uh, all right. What else we got, my man? 5720? We have, yeah, we've got another two Laravel releases, 5720 and 21. Why don't you hit both of those? 5720 added a chunk by ID support on model relations, a new collection method, and some new file system adapter assertion methods. You can now call chunk by ID on related models in belongs to many and has many through relations. I don't know when you use that. If you need that, you use it. And if you don't, you don't. Great. Uh, next, a where not between collection method is useful to filter collection items not between a given range. So I suppose this is the inverse right. method to the collection where between that was added in a previous release. Somebody saw where between come in and they're like, ooh, 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 ooh. I can PR <laughs> where not between. I, I can do that. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's a good one to swoop in on and get to get yourself into the into the framework. Uh, next, you can allow predefined log channels to change the format of via configuration. And uh, that's obviously a fairly code-heavy one, so check out the PR that we'll link up in the show notes if you want more information. And the uh, file system adapter storage assertions are now chainable, and you can handle multiple files at that's once. Nice. So your assert exists, assert missing. You can pass an array that's really nice, of paths actually. into each, and then uh, check all of those things at once. So it'll do, a, I guess, a boolean and that all of those paths need to exist or all of those paths need to be missing for example um, and you can now access the current route's original bound parameters mm. so That's if handy. you want to get say for example you pass a name and the name is used as part of a, a route model binding on the route uh, i guess the route facade or the route object you can call original parameter and either pass a name to get the specific parameter and get the the original value or you can call uh, original parameters and get all of them back. So that's really um, nice. Actually, that's, that's yeah. kind of handy if you want to, you know, if you want to get the original integer value, or if you're finding that uh, your bindings are not working for whatever reason, and you want to make sure that the, the the parameter is actually getting through the URL to your controller methods, then that that's kind of handy as well. Um, and the last new feature in five seven two zero is push the push jobs method on the queue fake allows you to retrieve all the jobs pushed to the queue during a test. Ooh, nice. So if you, which is handy if you want to inspect, it, you know, each of the methods or each of the jobs that were pushed as opposed to just saying that the, the job was pushed. So that's handy if you wanted to do further inspection on, on things that were popped on the queue. Very uh, good. And the next, the next and last release for this episode is 5721, which contained a, a bunch of miscellaneous fixes and changes. Uh, first of all, the pending command class from the foundation testing Framework will now rethrow a no matching expectation exception to avoid undefined variable errors being thrown in in your tests. Uh, so when you're using the ask question helper, for example, it would return an undefined variable exit code. So there's a fix in there for that. Uh, a few instances of get called class function were replaced with static colon colon class as the get called class function is potentially going to be deprecated and PHP 7.4. So just heading, um, you know, getting ourselves prepared for that eventuality. Uh, the blueprint remove column had a bug fix applied, which made it impossible to delete a column from a blueprint instance previously. 
And you can now set broadcast driver equals null as outlined in the broadcasting documentation. Previously using null as the driver would cause an invalid argument exception. There's a fix for the assert session that doesn't have errors method in your test, uh, which was added for test failing when the test response doesn't have any errors. Previously, this assertion would fail with no errors were present at all, causing a call to undefined function get bag on null. Um, and lastly, a revert was made to reverse a double localized strings in 403 blade file. Uh, you should obviously upgrade Laravel if you're on 5.7 to get the latest changes and fixes. Nicely done. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for taking that one on, dude. That was a lot of stuff to cover there. 5, <laughs> 5.7.19, 5.7.20. Yeah. I, I always always find that going through the releases is a, a painful thing because you find yourself just like reciting and then this changed and then this function was added and then this other thing was... Th- it's it's not always the most interesting of news updates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks for taking that one on, dude. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, so we've got uh, an article by Joe Dixon here called Building a Tool for Laravel Nova. So Joe uh, took advantage of the Black Friday sale, bought a license for Laravel Nova and in this, um, in this blog post he goes through what he discovered when building a tool for Laravel. So he talks about the scaffolding that's uh, given to you when you go to build a tool out in Nova. I have to say, I have to say, building a tool, building a filter, building an action, building a resource tool, building any of these things, it is so smooth. Like they made it so nice. So when you say PHP Artisan Nova tool, name the tool, it goes through and says, Hey, do you want to go ahead and add this to your composer.json? Yes. Great. Do you want to update your composer dependencies right now? Yes. Do you want to install all your NPM dependencies right now? Yes. Do you want to compile all the assets? Yes. What I mean, it just literally does everything for you. Yeah, and by the through. time you're done saying yes to everything, it's got everything installed, ready to go. You CD into Nova components slash whatever the name of your new component is, and you run NPM run watch, and it just works. It's amazing. Yeah. And it it's incredible. So it's a great developer experience. I love it. Uh, I've created a couple of these tools. Um, I will say out there as well, there is a post on um, Titan's blog and their, their post is more focused around pushing your new custom tool up to uh, Nova, was it Nova Packages or Nova? What is yeah. it? No, is it yeah. NovaPackages.com? Yeah. Yeah. So they basically tell you, hey, here's how you can create your tool. And then here's how you can share it on Nova packages, which is great. It's really helpful to be able to have that, that kind of part of it covered. Uh, But they're a little bit lighter on the actual development of a tool, right? They show you, they tell you about developing a tool, but it's not as, it's not as in depth as this one is. So this one goes through talking uh, through how you do the service provider, uh, talks about the tool class itself, how you can customize the navigation icon and what it looks like on the side talks about the front end and what different pieces you can include and how you can hook into view. Uh, talks about registering a tool and also talks about how responsive Mr. David Hemphill is to any sort of questions he has on Twitter or on the Discord channel or in Telegram or any of those things. And I've had the same experience. David's really been on top of this stuff. So big props to David for staying 
uh, on top of that and uh, really trying to be attentive to the community and their needs. So that's pretty cool. But if you have any need to build a tool in Nova, this is a really great place to start. Of course, the documentation on Nova is really good as well. But of course, as with anything, like sometimes just hearing it from another perspective, from another person will give a little bit of a different spin on it and fill in some blanks for you. And I read this after creating a tool and uh, I, I've I recognized some things. I was like, oh, I didn't realize that. So great article. Uh, definitely go check it out. And again, massive props to the Nova team. I can't even tell you. I've been using Nova quite a bit recently. And it, it's just, I, I created a Telegram channel with just Taylor and David. And every time I find mm-hmm. something amazing, I just say, Nova actions are amazing. Or Nova tool, like I literally, that's all I have to say in all caps. <laughs> it's just, it's magic. And uh, it, it is just incredible. It's such an awesome tool. So support those guys and go buy a license. If you haven't, you certainly will not be sad that you uh, did. And you said, Michael, you said, you're like, I'm going to start building this into the cost of every single uh, side project I do. And it's totally worth it, yeah. even if it's only for yeah. yourself. Yeah. And I, there's a project that I'm about to start now where I'm just going to throw it into the cost and I'm not even going to give it to the client. And it's that's the thing. You don't have to. It's 200 bucks. Yeah. yeah. Nothing. I mean, it's, it, it, yeah. For the time it's going to save you. I mean, yeah, for, for administration, just for bits and pieces, just because it ties everything together. Like, yes, I can open up SQL Pro and I can go in there and add things. But when you start having to add things in multiple tables and you need to start doing the relations, it's much, much easier just to like throw it into a Nova you know, set up the Nova models and resources and things like that and just do it in a nice UI that handles all of that stuff for you and it validates and it makes sure that you've done it properly. It's it's much easier from an administration perspective than trying to do that stuff in MySQL directly. It's funny because originally I would have thought like, oh yeah, SQL, SQL Pro tools or whatever is going to be everything I need. This is just for kind of the admins of the application, you know, like the kind of the other people mm-hmm. who are not technically savvy. And I had that same experience this morning. This morning, I recognized that I had a, um, I had a bug in the system that was, that was causing all the payments to be attributed to user number one, <laughs> which was bad. But this is a, it's yeah. a relatively new app. So there's only like 15 payments in there. So I was like, ah, I'm going to have to go look these up. And I was like, wait a second. I went into Nova. I was like, there it is. I know who paid this payment. Edit, update the record. And it took me all of a minute and a half to get all of them updated. Um, and I was like, dang, I would have had to do that in SQL Pro before. And I just did it right in yeah. Nova. I guess the other thing is, I don't know, man. There's just so many things. There's so many things. I, I'm not going to, this isn't a Nova advertisement, but it, <laughs> it really is uh, pretty amazing. So if you haven't had a chance to. Uh, and the thing is, if you bump on something, it's much easier to just build that extra functionality into the Nova dashboard so that when yes. you have to do it again and again and again and again, you can just go and do it in Nova. You only have to build it once. You push out the code change. It's there in Nova and you can, you know, the next time that client asks for something, you just all right, go and do that. And I think the, so. the thing that really makes the makes it so nice is that a lot of the things that I pain myself over is the UI. Like I can write the code. The code to make the change is not difficult, right? It's always how do I display this to the user? How do I make it obvious to them that this is what they can do? And all of those problems are solved for you as soon as you start using Nova. So for instance... Hey, I have this uh, lady who needs to log in and she's handling all the trip planning. So she needs to be able to go in, see which people have requested to have their flights arranged by her. She needs to be able to put flight information in for them. She needs to be able to add a ledger entry that's going to, you know, say it's an additional $350 and you're departing, departing from O'Hare on this date at this time, right? 
and you think about like, oh gosh, that seems like a lot of work to do that. Like it, it would be, it would be, but I'm the, I've had all of that done in like an hour and a half. Like you just create a new action. You say, here's the application and actions can have different inputs. So you can define, here's the four inputs that I want her to have. And then in your action, you, you get the answers to all of those inputs and then you can do whatever you want with them. All the UI is built for you. It's magic. It is so amazing. It's so amazing. So, oh yeah. And you can send an email out at the same time too. And if it's going to take a while, you can just cue the actions and it'll tell you what's going on with them. It's just, I'm telling you, dude. It's freaking unbelievable. Can't believe it's only 200 bucks. Seriously, it's worth three times yeah. as much. Anyway, all right, we're done. Yep, 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 yep. We're done with Nova. Sorry, guys. Sorry, everybody who's listening, <laughs> guys and girls, peoples. I I think one the, the one last thing that we'll talk about is the five hidden features of the Laravel Excel package. So I've been using the Laravel Excel package a little bit in my day job to uh, handle importing some data. So we get... Uh, we get these Excel spreadsheets, which have got data in there. We've got to, you know, deal with it all. We've got to separate it out into customers and accounts and services and products and things like that. It's really easy to just create these importers that just consume the uh, Excel spreadsheet and then goes straight into your straight into your database. So you have like a two model method, um, and it'll it'll handle it. Like it'll take in each record in the spreadsheet. It'll transform it and then it'll create new models for you. So this article on Laravel News from Povilus Kodop uh, goes into five hidden features that you might not know about. Uh, I'll hit them at the high level and you can look into the article if you want to know more. Number one is exporting from HTML directly. So you can create a, a export class and you just pass the view directly into it and it'll handle automatically spitting that as Excel for you. You can export to PDF, HTML, and uh, any other format that you can think of. Uh, you can format cells however you want in terms of like exporting to Excel spreadsheets. So you can make them bold, italic, color them, whatever. Um, it's all handled for you. And there's also the ability to export formulas. So if you've got some data no and you way. want to That's crazy. create a formula, yeah, so you create, export the, the formula directly from your um, map method and it'll handle doing all that for you. So uh, we'll link it up in the show notes. Definitely check it out. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really good package if you have to deal in any way with importing, exporting, managing Excel data in your Laravel applications. Including Nova because they have a Nova tool that allows you to select any items from an index resource. So you can say like, hey, go to all my users, click, click, click these three users. And then you can say action export to Excel. And it will build the Excel spreadsheet. And you can either just say, basically, give me all the values that are listed in this table or give me all values listed in the entire, like when I say table, I mean like the the view that you have in Nova. The view in or Nova, yeah. you can say, give me all the columns or you can write a custom export or you can do it, you can chunk it. Like if it's going to have more than 20,000 records, you can say, do it, chunk it or queue it. So yeah, this tool is, is all over the place. And um, <laughs> I, I love it. I, I'm using it right you now. Know, I just implemented it the other day. If if Taylor and, and David ever have problems selling Nova, they can just send you out as like a traveling Nova salesperson. I mean, seriously, guys, if you're listening, I should we should you should be sponsoring this podcast right now. You're getting so much love. <laughs> it's it's well worth it though. I've I've only paid for one license so far, and so many more coming soon though. Many more coming soon. So awesome. Yep. All right. 
I think it's time to wrap this one up. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to episode 77 of the Laravel News Podcast. We enjoyed hanging out with you. Uh, if you liked this show, please feel free to rate it up five stars in your podcatcher of choice. Of course, you can find show notes for this episode at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 77. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, hit us up on Twitter at Jacob Benna, at Michael Dorinda, or at Laravel News. All right, everyone. We will see you in two weeks. See you. Bye.